Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning. My name is Rick Thompson, and I want to welcome you to our service today. And yes, there's definitely power in a dream. Just ask Mr. Walt Disney, who admittedly owns, you know, probably half of the entertainment uh, world today. On, On top of Disney, he owns Marvel, he owns Star Wars, but if you ever listen to his testimony when he was alive, in fact, a few years ago, about 10 or 11 years ago, a few of us went on a Disney cruise and, and we saw a show called The Golden Mickey. And he admitted that it all started with a mouse. Yeah, his dream started with the, with, with the concept of a mouse. Now, he called that mouse Mortimer Mouse and his wife, didn't think it was a a good name. She's the one that changed it to Mickey. And now it's all over the world. Everyone knows who Mickey Mouse is. But it all, that dream started with a mouse. Now, whether it's Dr. Martin Luther King's dream of racial equality or, 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 or Disney's dream that started with a mouse or the dream and dreams that God puts in our hearts, um, We've been in a series talking about that very subject. And the title of this series was simply called Woke, where we've hopefully been highlighting the difference between the world's recent definition of becoming what, you know, woke and realizing their hopes and dreams and the expectations of anger and divisiveness that goes along with today's definition. Even the call for violence, it seems, in some places that we see in the media. And what the Bible points out, the proper response to being biblically woke should be. And how we've done this, well, we've looked at the dreams given to several people in the Bible and how they handled it. Last, well, two weeks ago, we looked at Joseph's dream and discovered how he went from really bad times because of the dreams that God put on his heart and the reaction of the people around him to breakthrough. He literally went from the outhouse to the White House. God fulfilled the plans, but it wasn't an easy road. Now, he did it all without calling for anything to be burned down or looted in the process. Now, think about that. Of all the people who probably had the right to be angry and upset, he did. And he literally was in a position to be to 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 exact revenge against his family members who put him in such an awkward position, but he realized that there was a bigger picture, and he told them, "What you meant for evil, God meant for my good." How many know that God can cause all things to work together for the good of those who love Him? All things mean all things, even the bad things that have taken place in your life. God can work it out. For your good. Can I get an amen? Well, last week we looked at Abraham's dream. And as we talked about how to keep on believing, especially if and when we're placed 
in what we call God's waiting room. How long did he have to wait to see the fulfillment of the dream that he had? Well, we know a hundred years, a hundred years before he would have a child. And then God went ahead and tested him, asking him to sacrifice the dream back to him. If, if you missed last week's message, go back and listen to it. I promise you, it will bless you. Well, today we're looking at a third character in the Bible. And his name is King Nebuchadnezzar. He had a dream, a, a really a nightmare, if you will, uh, at least to him. And he was probably the richest, most powerful man alive at his time. He was a king. And in this message today, I'm simply calling it woke. When God sends a warning, when God sends a warning through a prophecy or through a dream, what should we do? Which, by the way, is a good number of the dreams, visions, and prophecies that God lays out before us. I'm just saying, a lot of times it's a, it's a warning. Uh, so, now, along the way, we've discussed who God intends to receive these dreams. We've made that clear in Acts chapter 2. It tells us, you can read it along with me, go. It says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on, on who? Say it out loud. All people. That's you, that's me, that's the entire world. God's intent is... To, for everybody to get in on what he's doing. He says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Verse 21, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so who does God want to pour out his visions and dreams on? He says, anyone Anyone and everyone who will call on Jesus and acknowledge that he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that he's the Savior, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That is his intent. Pentecost is not just an event that took place 2,000 years ago. Pentecost is still available to us today. Why? Because God loves us and always has. Now, sometimes those Dreams and visions and prophecies that come our way, I will say it again, will come our way by way of a warning. It's a call to change directions, change your attitude, a call to repentance so that you don't end up in a place worse than where, you're, where you are. He says, it's not my will that anyone should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. Why? Because he's a good shepherd. He's the one who lays down his life for the sheep. The scripture says he's the one that walks through the valley of the shadow of death and we need not fear. Why? Because his rod and I staff that comfort us and he's with us all the way and he's calling us to follow him. He, 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 he is trustworthy and he is true and he cares for his sheep. Amen? And so just ask Mary's Joseph in the Bible. We know that King Herod was breathing threats and trying to kill Jesus. And what did God do? God sent Joseph a dream. He sent him an angelic encounter to let him know, don't go back this way, go this way, so that, he can, so that the child and they can be protected. Ask 
the apostle Paul as he was preaching the gospel and God was sending him from place to place. There are some places where he said, go. And there are some places prophetically and even through dreams, he said, no, don't go that way. And so God directed him along his missionary journeys. Ask the prophets of old. Elijah was getting downloads from the Lord, warning the king of Israel of ambushes and impending disasters to, to, to avoid. Let me tell you, in real time, in real time, don't go over there. The, 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 the king has got a trap set up for your, for your troops. Go over this way. Go over that way to the point where, where the opposing king was so frustrated and he thought there was a, he thought there was a spy in his own camp. And, and his men stood up and said, no, 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 Lord. They got a prophet in their, in their group who, who tells the king of Israel the very thoughts that you're having in your own bedroom. Folks, we serve a risen savior. Amen. He's alive and he's well. And he says, my sheep know my voice, and they listen to me. God wants to speak to you. Now, how many of you know that, that God knows the future? Amen? How many of you know that God knows your future? I'm glad that he knows other people, but I'm, <laughs> I'm way encouraged that he has a plan and a purpose and a future for me. That's why it's important for us to, to heed his warnings. That's why it's important for us to stay close to the shepherd, especially for such a time as now when things apparently seem to be getting darker. We need to stay close to the shepherd. Unfortunately, King Nebuchadnezzar figured this out the hard way in the book of Daniel. You see, again, he was the richest, most powerful man alive at the time, and he foolishly attributed all his success to his own hands. And so God gave him a dream, a reminder, and Daniel had to come in and interpret it for him. Let, you know what, let's, let's just see what the Bible says concerning Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel chapter 4. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Now understand, King Nebuchadnezzar is now at the back end of this dream and this prophecy. And now he's coming back to let everybody know this is what happened to me. He is now testifying personally to the events that took place in his life. The warning that God gave him and what happened to him for ignoring the warning. Listen, peace and prosperity to you. I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me, how great are his signs, how powerful his wonders, his kingdom will last forever, his rule through all generations. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity, but one night I had a dream that frightened me. I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in my bed, so I issued an order calling in all the wise men of Babylon so that they could tell me what my dream meant. When all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not tell me what it meant. Verse 8, at last Daniel came in before me, and I told him the dream. He was named Belshazzar after my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. And I said to him, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, that no mystery is too great for you to solve. Now tell me what my dream means. And while I was lying in my bed, 
This is what I dreamed. I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. And the tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in the shade and birds nested in its branches. And all the world was fed from this tree. Then I lay there dreaming and I saw a messenger, a holy one coming down from heaven. The messenger shouted, cut down the tree and lop off its branches, shake its leaves and scatter its fruit. Chase the wild animals from its shade and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump and the roots in the ground, bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Now let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the wild animals among the plants of the field for seven periods of time and let him have the mind of a wild animal instead of the mind of a human. For this has been decreed by the messengers. It is commanded by the holy ones so that everyone may know that the most high rules over the kingdoms of the world. He gives them to anyone he chooses, even to the lowliest of people. Belshazzar, that was the dream I had, that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, tell me what it means. For none of the wise men of my kingdom could do so, but you can tell me because the spirit of the holy gods are in, is in you. And upon hearing this, Daniel was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of the dream. Then the king said, Belshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. And so Belshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowing in this dream would happen to your enemies, my Lord, and not you. The tree you saw was growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. That tree, your majesty, is you. For you have grown strong and great, and your greatness reaches up to the heaven and your rule to the ends of the earth. And then you saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump and the roots in the ground bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Let him be drenched with the dew of the heaven. Let him live with the animals of the field for seven periods of time. That is what the dream means, your, your majesty. What the Most High has declared will happen to my Lord, the King. You will be driven from the human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow. You will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while, while you live this way until you learn that the most high rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. But the stump and the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned, help me out somebody, that heaven rules. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning. And do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. And so what's going on here? God sends King Nebuchadnezzar a warning dream. And why did he send him that? Because he realized that in his pride, King Nebuchadnezzar forgot, forgot the most important thing. Listen to me. That, that everything he has comes from the Lord, and that God has the ability to raise up or to take down, okay? 
And so he sends them this warning. Don't be stuck on yourself. Now, did this dream take place? Yes, it did. Daniel chapter 4, verse 28. But all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. As he looked out across the city, he said, look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. And while the words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals and you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. In that same hour, the judgment, the judgment was fulfilled and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow. He was drenched with the dew of heaven and he lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird claws. And after this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned and I praised and worshiped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting. His kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one no one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? Verse 36, and when my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor, listen, listen, of the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. Listen to me this morning. The bottom line is this. God is sovereign over the affairs of men. Amen? And he installs whoever he wants, whenever he wants, for as long as he wants. Now, as we're heading into this election season, I think that's a message that everyone needs to hear. It, it doesn't matter if you think the person he installs is a knucklehead or whether you like them or not. Just remember this, that God puts, puts whoever he wants in these positions of authorities. And he says, from the greatest to someone as lowly as whom, whomever he chooses, he lifts up and he takes down. And one day, listen, one day, we will all answer to him. Amen? You know why? Because God is sovereign over the affairs of men. Heaven rules. And don't make God have to deal with you the same way he had to deal with Nebuchadnezzar in order to get your attention, who basically had to lose his mind before he would acknowledge that everything he had comes from God. Even his ability to think, how do you know if God says, you, you know, I'll take your mind now, there's nothing you can do. Take a breath, take a deep breath. The moment God says, I'll take that back, there's nothing you can do, okay? 
You're a self-made man. You're a self-made woman. You're sitting on your own, whatever. You are still in the hands of the sovereign God. Everything you have is a gift from him. So when God warns, when God warns us about what's coming, or when God wants to try to get your attention, we should listen. That's why Jesus said oftentimes, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Let him listen. So what does God warn us about? There's a lot of things. But James points out something in James chapter 1, verse 13, reading from the message. He says, don't let anyone under pressure to give into evil say, God is trying to trip me up. God is impervious to evil and puts evil in no one's way. The temptation to give into evil comes from where? Comes from us and only us. We have no one to blame but the leering, seducing flare-up of our own what? Of our own lust. And then lust gets pregnant and has a baby. And that baby has a name. (laughs) S-I-N. Baby sin. And then sin grows up to adulthood and becomes, the Bible says, a real killer. So my dear friends, don't get thrown off. So what does God warn us about in his word? He tells us that, that when we're tempted, it's not him. It has everything to do with what we allow. And if we allow lust and, uh, to, to, to take root in our heart, uh, lust gets pregnant and it gives birth to a child. Now, I know something about children, right? Children don't grow unless you feed it. (laughs) And the same thing is with lust. And so I want you to write this down. Lust leads to sin, and sin leads to death. In every case, something is going to die. And it may not be a physical death, but it might be a death of integrity. It might be a death of your reputation. It might be a death of a marriage, but if you let that baby grow, (laughs) something is going to die. And so it's going to come at us, this lust, in three ways of of which John spoke of. And I want you to pay attention to me this morning. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, this is what it says. It says, do not love the world or anything that belongs to the world. If you love the world, you do not love the Father. Everything that belongs to the world, number one, what the sinful self desires, number two, what the people see and want, and number three, everything in this world that people are so proud of, he says, none of this comes from the Father. It all comes from the world. The world and everything in it that people desire is passing away. But those who do the will of God will do what? Those who make God a priority in their life will do what? will live forever. The new King James puts it this way. It says, for all that is in the world, and it simply calls it the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And so therein lies the three areas that the enemy will attack us and that God is oftentimes trying to give us warnings to keep us from falling into these traps. It's the same trap. It's an area that King Nebuchadnezzar fell into. 
And because he fell into it, he, he, he had seven years of misery, seven years of a trial that if he would have just humbled himself and avoided it, this wouldn't happen, would not have had to happen to him. And so I want us to look at those seven, at those three um, deadly traps this morning. Number one, the lust of the flesh. And we already said what that is. It's going after whatever your sinful self desires. In other words, whatever you want, that's what you, that's what you go after. Whether it's women or men or food or, or, or sex outside of marriage or, or, or drugs or alcohol. I, I, I guess you can probably fill in anything. But it includes any type of perversion. And folks, we are living in a perverted world today. Many years ago, before I went into full-time ministry, I used to work at a, a sex offense program where where uh, juvenile teens um, did some pretty horrible things, pedophiles. And so the rapists and pedophiles were in there, and, and, and it was a treatment center for them. But there were even, there was even one of the clients that was in that program, their perversion wasn't human beings at all. Let that sink in just for a moment. That was their fetish, animals. Disgusting, right? That's where we are today in terms of the perversions. Have anyone read the news of what's going on in California? They literally just passed the laws changing the sex offense laws so offenders don't have to register as sex offenders. If a 24-year-old man has sex with a 14-year-old, it, it doesn't have to be registered. And that's, that's a 14-year-old Male or 14-year-old female? Well, so it could be a same-sex thing. Now, could you imagine that, that in the, their laws, they're calling it the pedophile laws, that it's now okay for a 24-year-old to be with a 14-year-old? That's what's going on. The controversy that's taking place in Netflix that's got everybody canceling their, their subscription, that's the sort of stuff that's happening in our world today. Perversion is being elevated in our world today. Again, it's deadly because lust leads to the birth of sin. And when sin is full grown, the Bible says it will lead to death. A good example of that would be Samson and Delilah. We talked about them in the past. His lust literally cost him in the end his eyesight and then his life. Gaza was 25 miles from where, where where Samson lived. Gaza is where Delilah lived, the prostitute that he was frequenting, that he knew he shouldn't have been going to. 25 miles away. Samson, Samson didn't just ruin his life in, in a moment, okay? It was a process. Someone actually did the math. He took, someone did the math. 25 miles is 56,250 steps. He took 56,250 steps in the wrong direction. And at any point as he's walking down that path and going in the wrong direction, he could have, he could have heeded the voice of his parents who, who did not agree with this relationship. He could have heeded the word of the Lord or the covenant uh, that he, that, that was made with him as a Nazarite. He could have heeded all these things, but he ignored them all. And he just kept going down that path. And it costs them. Lust of the flesh is doing whatever your sinful self 
desires, no restraints, and, and it will cost you in the end. Similar to the lust of the flesh is the lust of the eye. And we already said what that is. That's being preoccupied with what people see and with what people want. A great example of that is when you have you ever gone to the store with your kids when they were small? I know I have. And, and, and what's the thing, the most challenging thing that you always hear from the small kids when you're going through a store? Whenever they see something they want, whether it's a candy or a toy or whatever, what are they constantly saying? I want that. I want that. I want that. I want that. And you know it's not about their need. It's always about their wants or their greeds. The I want that is a problem, not just for children, but it's a problem for adults. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Uh, this is the type of lust that can lead to sin as well and death as well because it's not about God's will for you. It, 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 it's, it's lusting after the, 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 quote, best of things, uh, convincing yourself that you have to have them even though you don't need it. I just have to have it because they have it. It's the bigger TV. It's the nicer car. It's, it's the boat. It's, it's the clothes. And, and nothing wrong with your clothes that you have, but you got to have it. And it's constantly going after bigger and better. It's the reason why so many people end up bankrupt. They, they just got to have it. And you don't understand, uh, Pastor Rick, I just had to have it. It's the reason why people are breaking into stores and justifying robbing and looting. Well, they have it, so I'm going to have it. I just, they just got to have it. It's the reason why marriages are breaking up in, in, in just astronomical numbers. Even though you've got a wife at home is gorgeous, but because there's some, someone out, something out, else out there or a husband that, that's been good to you, you just got to have it. The lust of the eyes. Lot had that same problem. We all know what happened to Lot, remember? If you haven't read it, read it when you get a chance. Genesis chapter 13, I'm not going to go over it, but I want you to see that because of the decisions that he made and the choices he made as to where he was going to pitch his tent with his family, it cost Lot his family. It cost Lot. He, he, he ended up losing pretty much everything, including his wife. He, he got out with himself the clothes on his back, and his daughters. Everything else burned up. So the lust of the eyes is being preoccupied with what you see and what you want and denying yourself nothing. Like Lot, it will have you pitching a tent in Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen to me. And your lust will give birth to sin, and your sin will lead to death. Lastly, there's the pride of life, which is everything in this world that people are so proud of. The New Living says it this way, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and our possessions. These, the Bible says, are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is doing what? Help me out, somebody. This world, it says, is fading away. 
In other words, all your accomplishments, all your trophies, all your plaques, a hundred years from now is going to end up in some junk pile somewhere. Everything in this planet <laughs> is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what God, what pleases God, there it goes again, will live forever. So the pride of life is that look at me and what I've accomplished syndrome. It's got your chest out far. It's got your plaques on the wall, and I don't, I'm not against all those things. But if that's all your life, if that's the be-all and end-all of your life, you have aimed low, and you're going to hit your target, and you're going to be disappointed with what you hit. It is quite literally what caused God to send Nebuchadnezzar that dream, to warn him of what was going to happen if he didn't change his attitude if he didn't change his mind, if he didn't humble his prideful heart. It's what literally caused him to lose his mind and his faculties until he got to that place where he finally looked up and he declared that even though I'm a king, there's a king of kings. There's someone above me and heaven rules. So those are the traps that the enemy will use in our lives to kind of suck us into to things that are only going to hurt us. What's the solution to those traps? Well, I'm going to take the next few minutes and give you solutions. The solution to the lust of the flesh, the antidote to it, is to walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you make God a priority in your life, he will make you a priority. It goes on to say in the message, I like the way the message says it. It says, my counsel is this. Listen to this. Live freely, animated, and motivated by what? God's spirit. Then you won't, what's the word it uses? Feed the compulsions of selfishness. And so when I see that word feed, it always goes off in my spirit because it reminded me Many years ago, before I went to the ministry, we're in an office setting, and there were people in the office who, you know, everybody's concerned about their weight, and even more so today, because, you know, people are, it used to be the college 15, well, the, the, the quarantine, people are now packing on the quarantine 15 and 20, because they're not doing as much as they used to do. But everyone's always concerned with their weight. And so the office gave a little pool, and they said, okay, uh, we're going to put some, uh, some incentive into a pot, and we're going to measure people. I wasn't in it because back then I was like thin as a rail, and weight wasn't an issue. But we're going to measure, and at the end of the time, whoever loses the most weight will win, win the pot, whatever it is, the Weight Watchers. And there was one particular person that was in that group who was constantly complaining that whenever it came time to weigh in, that they weren't losing weight. Why aren't I losing weight? 
I'm doing diet, I'm drinking diet sodas, I'm watching what I'm eating, and then another week would go by, and there would be no weight loss, or there would be increasing weight, and she, and, and she had everyone convinced that something's going on, maybe it's, you know, the thyroid, or maybe it's this, or maybe it's that, only to find out that one day when they weren't in the office, they brought in the substitute to cover her position, and while the substitute sat at her desk, looking for a stapler or tape, I can't remember what it was, and they're looking through the drawers. And as they were looking through the drawer, the bottom drawer, in the very back of the bottom drawer, guess what they found? <laughs> they found Snickers, they found candies, they found a smorgasbord of all sorts of junk in that drawer. The person had a hidden drawer. And so that what was going on, even though that they were in, hitting the, the Diet Cokes and publicly doing this, there was a hidden drawer that, that they were reaching for that was doing the opposite. And so again, I want you to read that in the context of that story. It says, then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. Because the truth of the matter is, like I said, the Bible says, lust makes you pregnant with sin. So the baby's name is sin. And then when sin has fully grown, in order for sin to fully grow, you've got to feed it. You've got to keep giving in to those temptations and these compulsions in your life. And if you get to the place where you don't want these things to control your life because the Bible tells you what's going to happen, it's going to give birth to death, something's going to die, what you need to do is stop feeding the compulsions because whatever nature you feed, that's what's going to lead. And so if you want to get to the place where you have victories in this area, start feeding or start walking after the Spirit. Start sowing into what God, the positive things that God would have you do. The reading of the Bible and the fellowshipping of the saints and, and time in prayer. Time in prayer is a powerful thing. Start taking in the word of God so that that nature will start to feed and it will start to starve out that sinful nature in your life. Get rid of the hidden drawers and you'll start to see the victories taking place in your life. The second one was the lust of the eye. And how do you deal with the lust of the eye? You got to screen, quite frankly, what you're watching. Bible talks about the eyes being the, you know, being the windows to the souls. In Job chapter 31, it says, I made a covenant with my eyes. What was the covenant? Not to look lustfully at women. That was, that, that was one of the things that he said. If Job was alive today, practically, what would he do? He probably would get rid of some of the smut channels that are on TV that's keeping you up at night. He'd probably suggest to you that you delete some of the trash movies that you have on your DVR or maybe some of the pictures, your go-to pictures in your phone, you will start making a covenant with your eyes to get rid of the things that are feeding that lustful thing in your life because the same thing is going to happen, okay? You're going to keep feeding it and it's going to continue to grow. Job would be preemptive. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else. Why? Why? Because it determines the course of your life. 
Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on that safe path. Listen to me, young people. Listen to me. And don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. You have a part to play. Pastor Rick, I couldn't, I, I couldn't help myself. Yes, you can. God has given you a spirit of self-control. That was the pouring out of the spirit. That's one of the byproducts. That he's given you the ability to say yes to him and no to sin. No to foolishness. And no to the things that are only going to keep you trapped in your life. Come on, somebody. And then the third was the pride of life. And the pride of life, the solution to the pride of life is to recognize that heaven rules. And so the world has this golden rule. And the golden rule on the world, I mean, we have the biblical golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But the world golden rule is he who has the gold rules. And I promise you, that's not the case before, as far as God is concerned. Because you may have a lot of gold, but you still are in subject to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Heaven rules. You didn't have more than Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the man. He was the Mac. He, he was the person sitting on top of the world. And God says, okay, I'm going to show you who's actually in charge of even your own life. Come on, somebody. Psalms 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Let that permeate in your spirit just for one moment. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Everything we have comes from God. Listen to me. And whatever you have, it's just on loan. It's just on loan. You, you, you can't take it with you. you. You got it for this period of time that you're on this earth. God is generous. He's not saying I'm taking it from you. He, he's given it to you. But he wants you to understand that it's only for this time that you're on this earth. And so to live any other way, to live like you're going to, have this stuff forever, it's just foolish. Jesus said as much. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. He tells the story of the, of the rich man who built bigger and bigger barns in Luke chapter 12, verse 13. In fact, let's just look at it. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus said, man, who appointed me as judge or an arbiter between you two? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life, listen, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Never has. It's not about how much you own. It's about who owns you. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Who's, who's, it's not who you are, it's whose you are. Verse 16. And he told them this parable. The crowd, of a 
the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll, I'll tear down my barns and build, build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, help me somebody. What did God say to him? He said, you fool. You fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? It's just so you don't misunderstand the point of Jesus' parable or story. He kind of breaks it down for us in verse 21. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. Come on, somebody. There are people who are rich in the things of this world, but they are literally paupers when it comes to the relationship with God. They are broke when it comes to the relationship with God. They're spending all their, their days acquiring, 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 and that same scenario is going to play out in their life. God is not against you having things. He's against those things having you. He's against those things becoming idols or impediments to the relationship that he wants with you. He's not saying don't have those things. He said the problem was that this guy was not rich toward God. He, he didn't even give God a second notice in his entire life. And so the big heavenly you fool went out. You're rich toward the things of the world, but you're a pauper when it comes to where you're going to spend eternity. Friends, listen to me this morning. Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. Heed the warnings that God sends through his word, through his prophecies, through the dreams if need be. Don't, don't be like this, this rich man in Jesus' story. Don't be like Nebuchadnezzar and have to lose your mind. Don't be like Samson who has to, he lost his eyesight and he lost his life. Don't be like Lot who loses his wife. Don't be like those people. Heed the, the word and the warnings of the Lord. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll you listen to me and you will do what, I, what he says. He says, no one comes to the Father except that they go through him. So it's decision time as we come to the end of this message. Are you more woke, if you will, to what's going on in this world? Or have you invested at all in the fact that God is trying to wake you up to spiritual things in your life, to the call and claim that he has for each and every one of us? It's decision time. And he's calling every single one because he says that, that this gift, it literally says it's for all people. That includes you. That includes me. That includes those who are listening in India and, and in China and in Haiti and in Jamaica. That includes everyone in the entire world. For God so loved the world. And what 
was the object or the display of his love to the world, this is it. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It's not who you are. It's who you belong to that allows you to have eternal life, to become rich toward God. It's you making, you becoming awake to the knowledge that you have a Father in heaven who absolutely loves you. Don't let God have to continually send out warnings to you just to try to get your attention. That's also the grace of God as well. In fact, I think a lot of what's going on in the world, although it feels painful to many, I think it's the grace of God. I've said it before, things aren't falling apart. They're falling into place for those who have eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. God is calling you. And if you're listening to, to this message, everyone under the sound of my voice, if you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord, God is calling you to make a decision today. The Scripture says today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. If that's you, it would be my privilege and my honor just to lead you in a prayer of commitment to Him. Don't be ashamed. Say out loud, let's everyone pray bow our heads and right where we're at but say out loud Heavenly Father I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I need a Savior I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me 2,000 years ago and after dying three days later rising from the dead he paid for my sins and the sins of the world on the cross and I accept that free gift that atoning sacrifice that he made. I accept it in exchange for my sins. And because he rose from the dead, there's a promise that because he lives, I will live as well. Today, I put my complete trust and hope in him. Fill me, Lord Jesus, with your spirit. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your love. Help me to become awakened to what you are trying to do in my life and in this world. From this day forward, I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer on the authority of God's word, you've just been born again. And I want you to take the next step. I want you to tell somebody. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.